Fast, efficient, and affordable business-grade hosting solutions, domain registration, SSL certificates, and more. We also monitor and provide website security and update services, website builds, email hosting, amongst other sensational products. If you have a question about your web page or your presence on the internet in general, no job is too big or too small. Visit our website today, or better yet, contact us at blueoceanwebhosting.com.au and leave your website issues to us. Big ones, little ones, fiddly ones, powerful ones. The ones for the car or the truck, caravan, boat, mobility scooter, solar system. In fact, for any kind of battery, go straight to Battery Central Ipswich. They'll even help you when you know what you need to power but have no idea what'll do the job. Battery Central Ipswich, 280 Brisbane Street, West Ipswich, in the yellow building. Expert advice, better batteries, best prices every day. That's Battery Central Ipswich. Welcome to episode 776 of the Aussie Tech Heads. I'm Jason Oakley and this is Will Topkinson. Hey, Will. Hey, mate. How's things going with you on Tech Heads? <laughs> uh, there's one of those behind the scenes that'll never make it to the uh, Thank goodness for that. <laughs> yeah, not too bad. Uh, you know, same old, same old. So. I got an update for my OBS tonight and I didn't want to do it, but I thought, why not see what happens? Nothing can go wrong, right? I can't imagine one thing that could possibly go wrong. <laughs> possibly I go right. That was the first time that something's gone wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I mean, after last, it was the last month's effort. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah. <laughs> Although technically it wasn't OBS that broke last time. No, it was it Linux was kernel. kernel. <laughs> it's even worse. I mean, that may have been because OBS was using an outdated mode of doing something, but still. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, we're here, we're back, we're mad. We're fat, we're bad, I don't know. <laughs> I know who I am. <laughs> I know who I am, what about you? Uh, it's nice oh, yeah. to see through you today. Yeah, I don't know. So, I've got a set to green screen, but apparently bright yellow is also green. Yeah, same thing was happening when I was wearing my... Um, Number five is a live T-shirt. Yeah, had yellow text on it. What's your? Unless you're drinking before your your bottle disappears too. <laughs> what colour is that? Green. Oh, that is a green. Okay. Yeah. No, well, that's got an excuse. But yeah, like I don't <laughs> understand why it goes. Hey, look, there's a big bright yellow patch right here. That's close to green. Let's just make that disappear too. Even that part on your microphone you were showing me before, which is silver, had yeah. trouble showing up. I... That's Chroma for you, baby! Well, the problem is it's not actually Chrome. See, I'm cheating at the moment because <laughs> I haven't got my green screen set up. Um, I'm using the built-in background blur from... Or background Chroma from... Um... Zoom. Wow, from Zoom. That's it. Yeah. Mental blank. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so it, do I mean, it does a pretty good job. You can see there's like... like yeah. If we do something like that, you can see it bridges. Yeah. So it's not perfect, but it's pretty decent. 
And your head goes a bit weird when you turn sideways and all yeah, twisted. It, <laughs> it kind of looks for a general shape of a person and goes, yeah, that's that's what I'm looking for. And if you throw something in obscure into the mix, it kind of goes, well, hang on, that's not a person. I cuts, don't really know what I should be doing with that. But cuts it, off half your face. Yeah, <laughs> sort of, I don't know. It, I mean, it, it does pretty well for people who don't have green screens. Um, for for $200 a year, it should. Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, okay. I mean, two minds about that. Uh, you know, for personal use, that's, for business, yeah, I get it. I don't have a problem with it. Business, fine. No worries. You know, Charge them out there. Tax deduction, fine. But for personal use, that's, that's rude. Like, especially if it's something that, you know, I mean, I guess... If you need it for a work meeting, I guess technically the company would be dialing you. They would be the one paying for the subscription. Hmm. So I, I don't know. Yeah. But um, this is yeah. not a company. We don't get paid to do this at all. No, no. <laughs> That's what I mean. It's it's a bit rude. I kind of understand it. On the one hand, on the other hand, it's like yeah, you know, yeah. it's like the whole um, Winrail model. Yeah. You know, like. There's obviously enough people buying it, whether it's corporations or whatever, for them to continue developing it. Yeah. Even though nobody in the history of the products ever bought it, but obviously <laughs> there are because yep. they, you know, they're still around. So, um, I don't know. But At least give us an hour, forty minutes. Yeah, that's what I mean, like if it was an hour, it'd be fine because you'd you'd ring up, you'd get everything organised, get 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 pre-show out of the way you'd hang up the call restart the call do your show it's it's, it's done yeah you know 40 minutes but even if you i mean i know that i've rung my sister on the odd occasion just randomly been crapping on and looked down and it's been three hours yeah you know like <laughs> so even person to person just random calls it's not hard to kill an hour yeah and if we're only doing this once a week's yeah, that's, I mean, that's I, even I, like fifty, maybe yeah. fifty a week, fifty times we use it. Well, in probably the, forty, really, because yeah. we have forty you know, in a so year, forty-five. So, you know, it's that's what's that? Ten, fifteen bucks a a show, <laughs> a show. <laughs> you know, ain't nobody top, paying us fifteen bucks a show. On top of all the other costs that we incur as well, like uh, yeah, yeah. It's, and if you had, it's it's not, it's it's definitely it's a bloody <laughs> shambles. When they say for love or money, it, it's definitely an A or B question because it's not both. <laughs> <laughs> you can have this hand or that hand, not both. Yeah, that's right. So, but uh, no, I feel a bit better. So I'm dog tired. My my eyes are falling out of my head. Like I'm literally having trouble keeping them open. And, and you I'm can chamomile tea, so that's probably helping too. And you can sit and stand again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I did something really funky to my tailbone. I don't know what I did. I I didn't actually do anything, but I. Went to work, sat down, answered a few emails, and couldn't stand up. Jeez. And I finally, like, pushed myself up with my arms on the table and stood up, and I had no strength in my legs for, like, 30 seconds. Wow. And then after my legs, I got feeling back in my legs, my tailbone was numb. It was, was, like, throbbing and aching, and every time I'd walk, it'd hurt, and then I'd sit down, and it'd hurt more, so I'd stand up, and it'd hurt more, so I'd sit down, and it'd hurt more. (laughs) But then, like... Two days later, it was fine again. So I. And if you want to get home, someone has to get you on one of the dolly trolleys and (laughs) wheel you out to the car. That's the weird part. When I was no, once I was up and walking, I was okay, but I couldn't stay up for too long because it would start aching. Yep. And I'd sit at the chair at work, and it hurt. I'd sit in the chair here, and it work. I'd sit, and it hurt. I'd sit in the lounge, and it hurt. 
but when I was sitting in the car and driving, it was fine. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> just go around in circles in the backyard. Yeah, just just like just it's an electric car, so you could put solar panels on the roof and just go forever. Well, well, the cool part about it, especially with the couple, we've had a really cold week this week. Man, it's been ridiculous. Really? We've gone from having last week was you know um, sixteen degree nights and twenty four, twenty five degree days. Well, this week's been three degree nights and nineteen degree days. Like uh, it's just big difference. Been ridiculous. But the neat part is because it is an EV, I have it plugged in, and over morning when I wait or when I like I know just before, half an hour before we leave to take Bub to school and head to work. For, with my key fob, I just press the um, the heater button or the the yep. it's the preset climate control button, and because it's plugged into the power, it turns the climate control on and it just gets the car set to the temperature you want before. Oh, you nice! <laughs> no drive around in cold cars for you. No, all hot because <laughs> in summer you have the aircon on, so it just chills the car down. <laughs> it's really good. Got the life. But uh, no, so yeah, I had. Um, a lot of uh, feedback last week about when I was talking about um, mental health and raising awareness for that and, and doing a show based on that. I had um, a couple of people leave comments uh, on YouTube and Facebook and I had a lot of people uh, actually email me. So oh, right. uh, it looks like I might be, <laughs> I might put myself in a corner there. So <laughs> I might have to start doing, looking into getting that show set up, which I, I absolutely don't mind. It is something I've been wanting to do. Yeah. Um, so I think that'd be good. And if anybody is interested, if anybody wants to appear on the show, whether it's just audio and you want to remain anonymous or you're quite happy to be um, known, um, we'd love to hear, I'd love to have people helping out and having different sides of the story because it, it's, a, it's a personal struggle and everybody does it differently. Yep. Um, there's no no one size fits all answer or solution to the problem so it'd be, it'd be great to hear from everybody independently and, and how they've, they've gone about it definitely so that's something i'm gonna start working on and and probably um organizing a podcast does take a while so that would probably be you know christmas new year i would say that you know it does take quite a while to get stuff new that, year that, new that, me yeah something like that um and one other thing that's weird that I've discovered about myself during since last show. Oh, last all last week, and I was having just a constant tight pain in the chest, and it didn't matter what I did. Yeah, I knew it wasn't anything serious because a few weeks ago I was in hospital for it was just an anxiety attack that got out of control, and I couldn't handle it, and so I went to hospital, and they ran all the tests and everything, and everything was clear. So I knew it wasn't a physical problem. Yep. I knew it was was. Uh, either an external something triggering it or it was purely in my head. It was one or two. Yep. Um, anyway, after trying a few different things and not getting on top of it, I was talking to my sister and she goes, oh, a couple of years ago I developed an intolerance to caffeine and it made my chest tight and made me feel really awful. Wow. I went, hmm, okay. So I stopped drinking coffee. Um, and within... 48 hours, my pain in my chest had gone away, my head had cleared up, and I felt so much better. Oh, that's nice. So apparently yeah. I've suddenly developed this coffee intolerance. Yeah. <laughs> Too much ain't good for you. Is it? Is it caffeine well, altogether, so you have to give up tea and everything? Or? No, no. Um, tea caffeine is different than coffee caffeine. So it works all right still. So I can, I, I have, I mean, I, I can't have huge amounts of tea, yep. but I can have a couple of cups of tea, and it's, it's fine. I, I do. Like, I'm drinking chamomile now. I... I have you know, black tea during the day and whatever, and it, it, 
it's fine um, as long as I don't drink copious amounts of it. Yeah. Um, but so that's that was interesting. Mm. Well, that was a lot of my my mental problems were actually uh, a side effect of caffeine. Yeah. Not yeah. and not in the way you would imagine. No. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a com- completely weird scenario. So something to be wary of that. You know, if you do get tired and run down, like I, I have been, you know, I admit it, I haven't been sleeping well, I've had bad sleeping patterns and I've been tired and run down and I've been using um, energy, not energy drinks in, in the traditional sense, but, um, you know, caffeine and stuff like that to, to try and push through it and uh, turns out not always a good idea. Oh. So. That's a good point to know though. Mm. So yeah, so that that was, that was... That was we. That was. I'm still trying to figure that one out. Actually, honestly, it's a bit bit, bit weird for me because I haven't had. I don't have food intolerances as a rule. I, mm. There's foods I don't eat, like I don't eat now. I don't eat sugar. Well, I haven't eaten sugar for years, and I haven't had carbs for a couple for a couple of months because of the diet I'm on. Yeah, the carnivore diet. Um, but I don't have a food intolerance per se. Well, I didn't. <laughs> now apparently I'm allergic to coffee. So. <laughs> Uh, at least it's something you can easily give up, and it's yeah. And and I'm I know now. Like I'm I'm glad I discovered that's what it was because it it was causing me it was causing other deeper issues that I wasn't aware of at the time. But yeah. So yeah, it sounds like a good thing to explore for your first show. Well, it will definitely be part of that. Yeah, we'll yeah. we'll be talking about that, and then, uh, you know. I have family members who have certain foods and that, that, that really does mess with them physically and psychologically. So yep. food intolerance can be a big cause of problems. Um, you know, we'll, things we'll discuss like sugar, the the addictive nature of sugar and how when you run put somebody through an MRI um, and do an MRI on the brain and you give them a, a dose of sugar and you give them a shot of heroin, the dose of sugar actually affects the brain more than the heroin does. Wow. Yeah. And yet sugar's in everything. Yeah. Sugar lights the brain up massively electrically um, compared to heroin and cocaine and those other drugs. So it's a a stupid addictive drug. That's why it's in everything. Yeah. That's the whole reason it's there. Makes you get it. It's like sports drinks. They they put sugar in with salt so that you drink more and get more dehydrated so you drink more. Yeah. (laughs) A vicious circle. It really is. <laughs> so, oh. yeah. But, uh, so how's your Windows experience other than that, you know, blue screen that you had? <laughs> Pretty good. We've got something to talk about Windows coming up. But, um, yeah, I was I was trying to do something or other on the computer and kept on failing and failing. And then it just went crash. It went blue screen. So I stopped doing that thing now. And <laughs> it's a good right. old blue screen. Yeah. A, every, I love how every version of Windows comes out and, oh, we've got rid of the blue screen of death. No, no, it, no, no. it's still there. Still happens. <laughs> oh, speaking of Windows, um, neat little hack I discovered the other day. Yep. Which I shared for you and I can't do it on mine because I run Linux, but um, I'll get, if it's Jason remembers, I'll get him to put it in the show notes. Yep. In, on on YouTube, um, it's literally you right click and create a new folder on the desktop, yep. uh, and you give it a name, and it gives you almost like a developer mode 
control panel. It's got so many settings and stuff that you can't... It's normally Especially hidden. Windows 11 where they've hidden a lot of them apparently. Yeah. And it really opens up this amazing amount of settings. Windows God mode. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's, it's really cool. It's just a, a, a key string you put as the name of the folder. I yep. don't know why, that, how that works, <laughs> but I'm assuming it acts as a registry address or something. Sounds like it, yeah. And uh, it, it, I did it on a work computer. I'm like, wow, <laughs> that's cool. Where'd all this come from? And you can yeah. collapse them in groups and stuff, so it's not like it's endless pages of scrolling through stuff that you don't care about. It can be. It can be, yeah, if you want it to. But hey, no, check this out. Yeah, it was it was awesome. The, all the different, like even in in Windows Ten, there's a lot of stuff there that you can't, or at least you can't easily get to. Yep. Um, but the guy I was reading, who was telling me about it, he was saying in Windows Eleven, so much of the stuff is uh, locked down, and this is a really good way to get access to stuff that they don't want you to have access to. Nice. So. I ended up installing a. Um audio manager software called fx sound lets you oh, set yeah. up I love that program. equalizers you want and stereo widening and extra yep. bass and treble and whatever you want because i was listening to music through spotify i'm like i don't think this is as good as it should be i've got surround sound headset on and everything or even just my external speakers which can do surround sound with the subwoofer under the table and um i was like googling around like what can i use and some one of the websites said oh try this thing called fx and man it does a really good job and it's free and they just had a bunch of um there's a bunch of new presets that you can download and he's got a sound engineer that actually creates the preset so it's not just like something this guy has whipped up who doesn't know anything about audio He's actually got a friend who's a sound engineer and creates them for classical music or movies or gaming or rock and roll music or whatever you want to listen to and it's all pre-programmed and easily downloadable yeah it, it's um i used to use that one uh and there's another one i'm just trying to find um and i just can't at the moment uh but there's another one like that yeah the the I don't understand. Windows has so much things it can do. Yeah. But very few things it does do. <laughs> like, why Why are these... Why are this is a third-party program? Well, why is Windows the, just able to do this stuff? One of the pages I looked at said you can enable a couple of things. Some, some speaker drivers have got it. Yeah. But um, they said if you've got Realtek chip, just run the Realtek program, and I did the Realtek program that is one of the in one of the drivers that I download for this computer because I've got Realtek, and I ran it, and it sat there for ten minutes, and eventually said cannot connect to RCS, and that was it. You're not able to run the program on here, so I was like, well, I need something else, and that's where I came across this FX Sound thing. Yeah, because Hasty Audio Manager is one of the the bigger ones. Yeah. There's a few. There's Boom 3D. There's Equal Equal <laughs> Equalizer API. Easy uh, for you to say. Equalizer Pro, FX Sound, uh, Viper for Windows, and yeah, Realtek HD Audio Manager. And the the one I'm trying to think of, it was like Spaghetti or something. It was a really weird name. It was. Oh. So there used to be a program. I think it was called Cable Manager Pro. Yep. 
or something like that. It used to, used to literally let you take cable, say, virtual um, cables, and connect them. Well, vir well, virtual cable was another one, oh, right. and it would literally let you take, say, um, say you're watching a YouTube video here, and you wanted that to go to the right speaker, and you're watching a podcast here, and you that can go to the left speaker, oh. and then your microphone can go to this pre-sampler before it goes to like you would literally run this this virtual cable yeah there's a couple of different ones virtual cable the problem is it got quite expensive oh, but right. yeah they, they literally let you run these where you wanted them and how you wanted them so in a setup where you're doing a podcast yep uh, back when i used to have two or three guests back when skype was funky and you could only have one person per skype i had my own version of a skypezilla and i used to have usb um, sound cards on those oh, right. so that I could run digital inputs into the back of my computer and then I had USB, I had a USB um, I had like a hub with about four USB or five, no six I think USB sound cards in it so each computer I fed into it had their own sound card plus <laughs> I would feed my own audio out of my own computer and back in and I could send each audio so when they spoke they didn't get their own audio back and like <laughs> it was a digital version of, of a analog mixer yep um it was really cool actually i used to like doing that but uh so what happened to this super high tech technology that you used to have yeah if you go back and look at the uh talkback tech and android shows they used to run it in that you don't have it uh, now though what happened <laughs> we don't need it now because <laughs> they do it by diva the only thing I wish that, that the only one advantage I had back then doing it on separate each person who ring, rung in would have their own separate computer. I literally had two or three computers behind me, and each one had its own monitor and its own system that was also going into a capture card. Yep, you like Leo um, Laporte, man. Yeah, um, the only advantage I had, the one thing I loved, was each audio. Each person, I could adjust their own levels. So if one person was really loud or really quiet or they had a lot of background noise, I could turn them up and down and mute them as required. The problem with like Zoom, you can mute somebody, but you can't adjust everybody's levels individually. So uh, right. if one person's really loud and one person's really quiet, too bad. It's just yep. that's just the way Stuck it is, it. you know. Um, so it actually did have some advantages that 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 were really cool to to use. Um, and that was, yeah, that was, wow, that would be seven, I have to go back to YouTube and that was, that, that was at least five years ago, probably, no, it be more, because Bub's six and it was before that, that would be nine, ten years ago now. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, you go back and look on Talkback Tech and they're all behind me and they're still having the square, I still have the square aspect, they were still running, I think a couple of them were still running on CRTs back then. Wow. <laughs> The oldie stuff. Speaking of old stuff, you know, remember Power Toys? Yeah. Still around. Still going. Still going. I was, uh, it, it's still doing all sorts of funky things, and yeah, it's still still kicking. I saw a, a video on that today. Somebody was up talking about the newest version. Yeah. Uh, and one more thing quickly before we move on. <laughs> oh, no, I've, <laughs> it's just, I've, I've discovered a whole heap of stuff this week. He's very excited. Just usability tools. Another one I've come across that is super handy is called Easy Auto Refresh. It's a Chrome. Um, there is a Firefox plugin as well. This particular one's a Chrome plugin. Um, 
So we use Zero at work, and Zero after fifteen minutes of activity will log you out. Yep. Now because it uses two FA, and you only have one option for two FA, so it has to go to either my phone or Son's phone, and. When one's at home and one's at work, it's very difficult to get the details to log back in for authentication because Zero is stupid and don't allow you to have two different ways of logging into the program. Yep. <laughs> um, so with this, what we've what I've discovered is I literally have the Zero dashboard page. I've right-clicked it onto a tab and I've pinned the pinned that tab to the dock on Chrome. And I use this um, auto refresh, uh, easy auto refresh plugin. Yep. And I set it to 10 minutes. And every 10 minutes, it just sits there and refreshes that page. <clears throat> that page sits in its own browser window down on the start bar. So I don't accidentally click on it and close it. And it just sits there and auto refreshes that page. And because it refreshes it every 10 minutes, Zero doesn't ask me to log in anymore. That's cool. So, yeah. So it just sits there and does its thing. And I don't have to worry about it. And. When I was working in Sydney, we had um, uh, Office Web for email, Outlook Web, and after about 15 minutes, it would log you out. So I found a, a programming thing called Auto IT, Auto It, and you could do a simple scripting program. And since I had many tabs open, mm -hmm. I just wanted that one. You could get this to look at the title of the tab and if it had the word Outlook on it, and then I set it to every 15 minutes, it would just refresh that tab to keep me logged in. Yep. I wrote that in auto it, but for, for my main job now, I have like six tabs that I need to auto refresh, not to stop me from logging out, just because new information comes through on them. And if you don't refresh it, you don't see <coughs> the latest stuff. So i have uh, something like what you've got there and it just goes through and refreshes all those tabs 10 minutes and this one's 20 minutes and that one's half an hour and it's fantastic yeah, it, software it's really i've actually discovered other uses for it that i hadn't uh sort of thought about until i started using it for the <laughs> other stuff as well same sort of thing one of the um one of the um uh like backends for one of our suppliers for their live um stock counts and and stock prices and stuff yep um same thing it, it you know i'd only use it two or three times a day but it always times out and you can't just like do a print screen because it changes yeah you know changes a dozen times a day so same thing i just set it to it only logs you out like after an hour so i've set it to like 50 minutes to do a refresh um and it does survive an update too because i did an update today i want to see what happens and it closes the tabs does the update reboots it and reloads it and it, do, it keeps it logged in so oh, nice <clears throat> there's some handy tips of the week yeah <laughs> all of them perfectly intentional and we thought about it before the show yeah yeah. That's, that's in the show notes, right? That, I don't know. You're doing the show notes. We you, me. Have. <laughs> you have to go back and watch the show now, aren't you? Ah, thanks. <laughs> thanks for nothing. Well, we might as well do some news then. Uh. The New South Wales government is planning to trial full-size driverless commuter buses on the state's roads after an immature market scuttled its previous attempt. 
Transport for New South Wales opened an expressions of interest process for the $5 million on-road trial on Monday, coinciding with new plan to accelerate the adoption of connected and automated vehicles, they call CAVs. Transport New South Wales first tested a driverless shuttle bus on Sydney's Olympic Park back in 2017 and began a bus bot trial in Coffs Harbour last year, but until now the CAVs used in these trials have only carried up to 15 people. Funded by the Digital Restart Fund, new full-size bus trial will allow Transport New South Wales to develop and test CAV systems on passenger carrying buses as the technology becomes increasingly viable. The agency plans to use the EIO, EOI to find technology leaders to partner with bus manufacturers and to partner with bus manufacturers and transport operators. It follows an earlier market sounding process for such a trial in 2019 that is expected to take place on high frequency, high patronage routes in Sydney within three years, but ultimately did not progress. The Transport's new Customer Strategy and Technology Deputy Secretary Jus De Kock told uh, the news that the EOI process would enable or did, would determine when the trial can begin and whether new existing buses can be used. That's really up to industry to suggest what's possible, he said, adding that Transport is interested in both local organisations as well as global enterprises in what's now a mature market. Transport also is open to testing the autonomous buses in both metro and, metro and regional areas, including at the government's Future Mobility Testing and Research Centre in Kudal near Orange. Earlier this year, the government pledged $9.5 billion to upgrade the site to make it the largest government-run testing facility in the Southern Hemisphere. She said the investment was being used to build a mimic of a city will be able to test not just buses, but all sorts of other connected autonomous vehicles. <clears throat> so they're familiar with the uh, Tesla boring tunnel in Vegas and how utterly amazing and successful that's been? Yeah, it should be. <laughs> You hear what happened with that? Mm -mm. So, the boring company, in their infinite wisdom, decided that you know, basically in Vegas there's a hotel and then there's a conference hall. Yeah. And it's you can literally walk from the hotel to the conference hall in like I think it's three minutes. All right. So they decided they're going to build this tunnel underground and have it automated with, with Tesla taxis, but self-driving. 50, 60 kilometers, mile an hour in this, in this tunnel. Great, you get there in like a minute. Fantastic. Yep. So they couldn't get the rights to build, like, it's here and here, and there's another casino here. They couldn't get the rights to bore under that casino because that casino said, no, we've got stuff down there, you're staying away. Yep. All right, let's just make the big diversion road do this. So they did. They approved it, got it approved, went through, started boring. Board one way from here to there. So now they have a tape, a tunnel capable of traffic traveling in one direction that now takes like three minutes because, or four minutes because they're only doing 30 mile an hour because the tunnel's so narrow <laughs> and the cars can only travel in one direction. So to get them back from the conference center to the hotel, they travel the 45 seconds on the surface street. 
which means why did they do it in? <laughs> so it must they, have cost they, a few bucks to drill through there. They spent however knows hundreds of millions of dollars to build a one-way tunnel that you can't really use, and it's slower than walking anyway. To have to take a surface street Tesla back to the hotel because they've got to get the cars back to this end so they can drive <laughs> under the tunnel back to this end so they might as well go over the road to go in which yeah. ah! uh. <laughs> now apparently there is a there is another tunnel coming in along the side of it like to join several places together yeah and once that happens then yes it will have a, a, a loop road that they can travel around but it's still going to be in a C shape yeah, but you, you so you're gonna go from because there's other tunnels going like this way, so you're gonna go like from here around the loop this way yep. to here, and because they still don't own these casinos, you're going to go from here around the loop this way. <laughs> so, <laughs> what would be a minute and a half walk, or or sorry, a three minute walk, or a minute and a half surface transport with a shuttle bus, which you know I know they're an amazing concept that nobody's ever heard of. And they could be automated. <laughs> um, it's like a four or five minute drive under the tunnel. And you have to wait for a vehicle to be to available. You have to wait for a vehicle anyway. You can only put four people in the Tesla. Because <laughs> <laughs> they might be automated and they might be driverless, but you can't have a passenger in the driver's seat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that sounds like a terrible idea. Oh, man. Look, when they planned it out, when they first did it, it sounded like it was fantastic and it was amazing and it was brilliant. And then they did it, and everyone's like, "Really? That's, <laughs> that's it? That's what you've that's what you've decided is the most efficient use of your time and money?" <laughs> so, but we yeah. proved it can be done, and that's all that matters. Yeah, they, they, I don't know what they proved. They proved something can be done. I don't know what. <laughs> um, and it's like the other tunnel I built in. I think it's in New York, or. I think it's New York. Uh, it goes under the road, under the highway, or under some buildings or something. And then they couldn't get permit to dig it any further, so they just put an elevator and it lifts your car back up onto the surface street anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the boring company's having a bad run. <laughs> oh, jeez. Poor Elon. I mean, I'm not. I've never been a, an Elon Musk fanboy. Look, he does some amazing stuff, but for every one amazing product he pulls off, he does some pretty dodgy <laughs> shit in between. <laughs> he just sold off, wasn't it? Millions of shares in Tesla, and Twitter's still trying to get him to buy them. I said you said yeah, you're going to do it. You got to do it. Yeah, they got to pull their finger out a bit first. Yeah, I kind of understand why he doesn't. <clears throat> why he doesn't want to do it because it's not even remotely close to the product that they originally offered him for sale he's like well you offered me one thing and like you you know it, it's like it's like you offered me you know one set of technologies and you're delivering something else it's hmm. what, what am i <laughs> you know what am i supposed to do with that i don't want it <laughs> <laughs> like oh but we all geared up to sell it to you and it's like well Fix your shit, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I'll buy it, but it, it's got to do something. It can't do nothing. I'm not buying nothing. I already own nothing. Yeah. And I don't yeah. have to pay for it. That's right. Same here. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although I tend to pay for my nothing quite regularly. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear. Speaking of uh, the future and all that it's cracked up to be, Metaverse. Because we know how, you know, that's working out so well. Yeah. Uh, Mark Cuban, the billionaire um, Dallas Mavericks owner, and he loves crypto. I've, I've read about him on several crypto stories before. He buys, sells, uses it, promotes it. He's not sold on the metaverse. Um, the worst part is people are buying real estate in these places. And it's just the dumbest shit ever, he says. Cuban's comments come into hype surrounding the metaverse, a term that loosely describes an emerging visual world where people can hang out, play, and shop. Seems to be cooling off. <clears throat> Last uh, November, wow, really? Facebook changed its name to metaverse, uh, to meta, spurring a flurry of excitement about the potential of the metaverse, which fueled a land grab for digital plots and so-called metaverse platforms created by the likes of Sandbox and Decentralized. These platforms enable investors to buy land as an NFT, which can be developed with virtual buildings or experiences or resold on Sim City markets like NFT exchange. Sim City. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, companies like Warner Music Group, Atari, Samsung, Adidas, or Adidas, if you're one of those people, they've all bought digital land. Um, a move that Cuban, based on his latest comments, appears unlikely to follow. Cuban also isn't buying the central claim of metaverse land speculators that scarcity will make these digital price pots valuable. It's not even as good as a URL or an ENS, which is an Ethereum naming service, because there's unlimited volumes that you can create, he said. Despite being an investor in Yuga Labs, the owner of the popular NFT collection Board Ape Yacht Club and CryptoPunks, Cuban said he was not a fan of the company's land sale, which raised about $317 million for its metaverse platform in April. I still thought it was dumb to do real estate. That was great money for them, you know, but it wasn't based off utility. What was smart about Yuga Land Sale, Cuban said, was it was based on established commu communities, namely the owners and supporters of Yuga's popular board ape yacht club and CryptoPunks NFTs, who said his views of digital land and less important than creating a sort of exclusivity for outside or for other side through gated access. Sales from Metaverse Land have been falling since last November. At their peak on November 21st in 2021, the volume of land sales across some of the biggest Metaverse platforms like the Sandbox, Decentralized, and Voxels was more than 60 million. As of August 6th, the volume of sales among the top five Metaverse platforms was just over 150,000, which tracks, uh, according to WeMet, which tracks digital land sales. The average sale price for a plot of digital land has also decreased 81% to 5,930 as of last week, compared to 32,000 on November 21st, 2021. <laughs> Cuban said, for now, the definition of the metaverse is unclear and it remains to be seen whether the technology will prosper in the future. <clears throat> it won't just be one size fits all. There'll be lots of different applications and lots of ways of de defining the metaverse. But right now, there's more talk than anything, he said. Isn't part so, of the problem Facebook is making a metaverse, Nvidia's making a metaverse, other uh, other companies, but they're all separate metaverses separate that metaverses. are not going to link in any way. So which one do you go for? Um, Second Life. Second Life. <laughs> it's been out for years. Second Life has been out since oh, got to be at least two thousand, if not before. Yep. Um. I mean, and it's everything they're talking about there. Like, it, 
people were like full on businesses. I, I remember one of the companies I was working for at the time, we had a metaverse business. Uh, not metaverse, a uh, second life business. We yep. operated in the second life the same as we did in reality. Um, I used to DJ at uh, second life clubs. Yeah. You know, like we had, we had um, clients who would come in and they'd schedule bookings and we'd chat to them and diagnose problems remotely. Like we had some customers who were a fair way away, but we would literally go into Second Life and, and have conversations and discuss solutions. And yeah, it was. And this is going back to 2000. So, yep. you know, when dial up was still quite popular and i mean we were lucky we had i think we had two meg two megabit cable yeah like then that was amazing at the time you know (laughs) so yeah um that's kind of a case of history repeating i think yeah but i mean look at second life it's still going and i mean realistically all this technology they're developing for whoever's metaverse platform you choose to go with has got to have some sort of follow-on effect surely yeah, you think so? I mean, you were telling me about a lady who started a legit second life real estate business. Yeah, yep. She's got robots that scan through land and find anything that's been abandoned or people don't want it and buy it up. And she, I think she owns like 75% of second life real estate or something and employs 10, 12 people to sit there negotiating, buying and selling virtual land and she makes millions from it yeah, it's nuts isn't it but i mean if people pay for it i guess i mean this is the thing like second life's now a very well established platform like people are fully aware of it and it's yeah it's had lots of upgrades and got to um more realistic looking avatars and stuff whereas before they were sort of cartoony so i mean it kind of has some sort of foundation and i get that it might be feasible, but I'm struggling with uh, Metaverse. I mean, at the same time, is it worth spending a couple of thousand bucks on real estate? I mean, look at the people who got into Bitcoin early and went, oh, I'll just throw 500 bucks at it. I mean, what's, you know? Got thousands thousands of coins and then suddenly... It's probably going to work or it's not, isn't it, I guess? Yeah. Mm-hmm. One way to find out. Yeah, so anybody out there wants, has or wants to buy uh, either I'm ha- either uh, Second Life or Metaverse Land, let us know because I'm kind of curious to know how the direction is sort of, or how the platform's affecting the direction that travels, you know. Hmm. As I said, years and years and years ago, we, we had land. We had a physical premises in, or I guess a virtual premises in, uh, in Second Life. Yeah, was, big businesses great. could buy their own Second Life server. That yeah, hosts well, all we, their own stuff. We co we co shared a server with a couple of other businesses in the area. Yep. Um, and like, so we had uh, at, at the time I was in the computer store. We had that. Um, we had two real two uh, travel agents. Yep. Who did a surprising amount of work through Second Life? Wow. <laughs> yeah, they had a lot of clients. Um, we had can't remember the other one but then we also had melbourne university had a massive uh, second life presence wow a combination of students and uh a lot of it was actually a lot of um off-site 
students and they would host, even back then, they would host virtual seminars. So if the teachers would have a, a webcam in their, in their classroom and they'd project it into Second Life and you could rock up and sit down and you could watch it on the screen in, in Second Life. To your training. <laughs> you know, which makes sense because back then they didn't have like Zoom. So yeah. you, if you were a peer that wanted to view that, you were bandwidth sharing. Because every person got their own copy, you know, they're effectively their own stream. But Second Life, you would stream to the Second Life server. And it would and restream for you. It would restream from there. So it was kind of pretty cool. Yep. It was way ahead of its time. So if, if, if you know, Metaverse comes anywhere near that, I think it's going to be a pretty cool platform. But I think they really need to get their act together. And as you say, don't have 12 versions of the same software because that never works. No. <laughs> no. I mean, look at Linux variations. Take that as an example. Yep. If they cut down from the 747 different varieties of Linux and come down to like 10 <laughs> and all the developers got together and man, imagine the how powerful those programs would be. Yeah. You know, so... Microsoft has published a knowledge-based article acknowledging a problem with encryption acceleration in the newest versions of Windows that could result in data corruption. The company recommends installing the June 2022 security updates for Windows 11 and Windows Server 2022 to prevent further damage. Though there are no suggested solutions for anyone who's already lost their data because of the bug. The problems only affect relatively recent PCs and servers that support Vector Advanced Encryption Standard VAES instructions for accelerating cryptographic operations. Microsoft says its affected systems use AES XTS or AES GCM instructions on new hardware. Part of the AVX 512 instruction set, VAES instructions are supported by Intel's Ice Lake, Tiger Lake, Rocket Lake and Alder Lake architectures. These power some 10th generation core CPUs for laptops, as well as 11th and 12th gen core CPUs. AMD's upcoming Zen 4 architecture also supports VAES, though by the time these chips are released in the fall, the patches will have plenty of time to proliferate. Microsoft says the problem was caused when it added new code paths to support the updated encryption instructions in SimCrypt, Windows cryptographic function library. These code paths were added in the initial release of Windows 11 and Windows Server 2022, so the problem shouldn't affect older versions like Windows 10 or Server 2019. The initial fix for the problem provided in Windows June 2022 security update package, Windows 11 build 22000.778 will prevent further damage at the cost of reduced performance, suggesting the initial fix was to disable encryption acceleration on these processes entirely. Using BitLocker encrypted disks or the Transport Layer Security TLS protocol or accessing encrypted storage on servers will all be slower with the first patch installed, though installing the July 2022 security updates, Windows Build 11 22000.795 should restore performance to its previous level. So, you could have lost some data on your work server. Thanks, Microsoft. Well, I mean, um, oh, seriously, I just did the same thing I did the other. <sighs> and stop doing that. <laughs> um, I managed to close the stupid tab 
that I was about to read because I clicked. I went to click on the tab to select the tab, and I clicked the X that's right <laughs> next to that. Now it's a bit I can't find it now because open that's how tab I'm history. Well, I'm looking there, so you think it would be there, but, but no. no. <laughs> um, screw you, man. No, oh, there it is. Found it. <clears throat> so on the subject of Windows and how secure it is. Oh wait, no, the opposite <laughs> of that. Um, <clears throat> cyber criminals are exploiting security vulnerabilities in Microsoft Office, which have been known about for years to infect PCs with malware and attacks, which demonetize, demonetize, or demonstrate perhaps <laughs> the importance of applying cybersecurity updates. A detailed by security researchers at Fort Pitt Fort. I can't. Why can't it? It's like I keep seeing Fortnite. It's not Fortnite. <laughs> Fortinet. Criminals, uh, cyber criminals are taking advantage of the unpatched security flaws to deliver smoke loader. Ooh. A form of malware which is installed on Windows machines <clears throat> with the intention of using it to deliver additional malware including TrickBot and various backdoors and Trojan malwares. Both vulnerabilities are almost five years old but the fact they're being used to distribute smoke loader demonstrates they're still effective. The first is a you know, 2017 vulnerability, Microsoft Office, which first emerged in 2017, ironically, <laughs> <laughs> which shows attackers how to download, uh, which allows attackers to download and execute PowerShell scripts on compromised networks, providing them with the ability to gain additional access to systems. The second is also a 2017 stack buffer overflow vulnerability in Microsoft Office, which enables remote code execution. Security patches for both vulnerabilities have been available since they were publicly disclosed five years ago. Like many other malware campaigns, cyber criminals use phishing emails to harass victims into falling for the attack. In this case, researchers detail how they're asking for the recipient to review a purchase order and shipping terms in order to confirm if they're correct. The email attempts to look legit as possible, including full signatures with related contact details. To see what's supposedly a purchase order, the user is asked to open a Microsoft Office document which has protections in place. The user is asked to enable editing in order to see it and this allows a malicious document to execute the code required to exploit vulnerabilities, infecting the victim's device with malware. Uh, while these were discovered in 2017, they're still being actively exploited in this and other malware campaigns, said James Slaughter, Senior <laughs> Threat Intelligence Engineer at Fortnite. Take Fortnite. <laughs> what a name, James Slaughter. He <laughs> was a Senior Threat Intelligence Engineer. I... I <laughs> Completely agree with that. <laughs> I'd be threatened. This demonstrates that malware authors still achieve their aims by relying on aging vulnerabilities awful se awful? <laughs> often several years after coming to light and banking on affected solutions for not being fixed. Unpatched security vulnerabilities remain one of the most common attack vectors for cyber criminals. <clears throat> so, uh, no, smoke loader is used to deliver trickbot. Trickbot is commonly used to deliver ransomware and other malicious cyber threats, which could be extremely disruptive. Yeah. Best way to avoid falling victim to smoke loader and other campaigns is to ensure security patches are applied, especially in this case, the fix has been available for years. Patch your stuff, peeps. Yeah. Um, or, I mean, don't use Microsoft Office, maybe? Yeah. Use OpenOffice or LibreOffice or Docs. any number of other <laughs> Google Docs. You know, just don't use Office. And don't pay a subscription monthly. 
the only thing I still use Office for, and it, I think it's 2017, still I use, but it's uh, Publisher. Yep. Because there's, um, there's several programs that almost do what Publisher does, but there's still just a couple of things that Publisher, even 2017 version of Publisher, still does better. Oh, right. Um, I don't have the rest of the Office installed. The, the, the Publisher's the only thing I have installed. Yep. But, uh... That's what you need. Yeah, oh, I, I, and honestly, now I now I've switched over to Linux, I, I don't, but um, Son still has it on her work computer, and just occasionally when you're making up flyers and banners and stuff like that, it just I know you can do it in GIMP and you can do it in in um, Inked and a few other programs, but there's just something about I I will say they got Publisher right. There's something about the way Publisher works that's really, really, really simple, but it's actually very powerful. Yeah, it's one of the few programs they developed that actually did what it did very, very well. Yeah, didn't get too um, bloated. Works was another one. Unfortunately, they stopped developing Works in like... Yeah, my dad loved that. He used it for years. 95 or something. But Works was an amazing program. I, I used to use Works over Word any day of the week. I, I loved Works. And WordPress. Word... Hey? <laughs> WordPress? What was the other word? Not WordPress. Lotus. No, no, no. Oh, no. WordPerfect. WordPerfect. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's it. There was Word Perfect. There was Lotus One Two Three. <laughs> that was horrible. <laughs> Man, I feel so sorry for OS Two users because at the time Lotus One Two Three was the only thing that worked, and our user term worked very, very loosely. <laughs> it was a horrible program. It, it, it did some very, very amazing things when it worked. It worked really, really well. Yeah. The problem is it didn't really work all that often. <laughs> <laughs> uh, those are the days. So, yeah, so, you know, if you are still using Office 2017, there's really no reason to be. Um, there's literally nothing that it... It's that aside, take Publisher aside, and it's not... This particular uh, flaw won't affect Publisher because it doesn't have that side of it that they're talking about. Yep. But if you take Publisher out of the equation, there's, there's really nothing in... 2017 now that isn't offered even by the most basic like Google Docs will surpass everything that that Office 2017 could do. Yep. So honestly, just just don't use it. <laughs> Unless you've got an old computer sitting in the corner and you're using it, you know, you're writing a book Stick and Linux that's on the it. computer you use. <laughs> it's sitting there, it's running Windows ME, it's got you know Office 2017, it just sits there. And Johnny Castaway. You know, yeah, exactly. That's like literally all it does. You still got your your IBM mechanical keyboard hooked up to it, and clack, clack, you clack, know, clack. sit there and clack away all day on your you know your fourteen inch CRT monitor. Knock yourself out. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't hook it up to the internet. No. <laughs> Google is kicking off a new publicity campaign to pressure Apple into adopting RCS. The cross-platform messaging protocol is meant to be a successor to the aging SMS and MMS standards. 
The search giant has a new Get the Message website that lays out a familiar set of arguments for why Apple should support the standard revolving around smoother messaging between iPhone and Android devices. Naturally, there's also a hashtag Get the Message to really get those viral juices flowing. For most people, the problems Google describes are most familiar in the form of green bubbles that signify messages to Android users in Apple's Messages app. When the iPhone app uses Apple's own iMessage service to send text between iPhones, complete with modern features like encryption, support for group chats, and high-quality image and video transfers, they revert to old-fashioned SMS and MMS when texting an Android user. Not only are these messages shown in color clashing green bubble, but they also break many of the modern messaging features people have come to rely on. So get with it, Apple. Yeah, well, they, there was a thing on that. I, I remember doing a story on that a couple months ago. I think it was the... I can't remember who it was now. I think it was, it was the communications watchdog. Mm -hmm. Somebody said they, they need to sort that out because it's becoming a an issue yeah well i still know there's always been the problem that people who had an iphone and then they go to get an android phone and they no longer get messages because all the all the f uh, messages are being routed through iMessage servers from other apple people and it's try it gets to the iMessage service and says well we don't have it the devices may or may it was the device is still registered with apple they didn't deregister it they just wiped it off and gave it to their cousin or sold it or whatever so when you get a new android phone or windows phone with uh, the same phone number you don't receive messages from iphone users because iMessage doesn't know what to do with it the only way to fix it is you have to log on to the apple id page and deregister that phone from their servers and now you can receive messages again but there was always big problems with people like I don't get any messages from my friends anymore because I switched away from Apple. I've also had it happen where they've sent me a message and it just comes up and says, iMessage received from, then it uses their phone number at, Yep. what is it, Cloud, iCloud or whatever it is. Oh, yeah. But you don't It doesn't it. display the message, it just it says, says one received. <laughs> right, so what do I do with that information? Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing at all. <laughs> So yeah, so that's definitely, and it, it does cause problems because I've trained most of my family pretty well, but I still have a couple of family members who insist on using iPhone. Yeah. Uh, in, in his defense, he does prefer to use BlackBerry, but he can't get BlackBerry, so he uses iPhone now. So yeah, I'll give him that. Okay, but <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just so, you, you know, or the other thing that happens is they send an MMS and I don't think I've ever received the multimedia part of it. No. I only ever get I only ever get the text message and it says MMS and it says, you know, attachment, you know, whatever dot image there. or whatever it is, but never actually displays. Yeah. So But I mean, you know, Apple's fully standards compliant everything they do matches you know the spec of everybody remember else. when uh, <laughs> when facetime first came out and steve Jobs said we're also going to make this available for android it'll be an that, open source product with standard protocols that anyone can use didn't they do that for like a week and then oh look it's breaking everything we can't have it not sorry probably <laughs> yeah i'm pretty sure they did release it just to prove the point that they were going to 
And then Facebook come and shuttle over that dream anyway. So it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't matter. I mean, it's funny because everybody calls it FaceTime. Yeah. So it, no, it's not. I mean, it, it's not what FaceTime was. No. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't go, oh, I'm going to Facebook video you now. You just go, I'm going to FaceTime you. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah, it's funny like that. Because, I mean, then you had, you know, the Google... Um, I remember I did a couple of uh, podcasts with Glenn back in the day when I was traveling, um, yep. and I used Hangouts on my on my phone. Yeah, and you now I put a I put a decent semi decent headset and, and mic on, and and it was actually not that much detached from being at home, you know. Yeah. So it actually worked pretty well, and then yeah, now everyone uses Facebook, I guess, for that sort of thing. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I guess you could use Zoom. Actually, Zoom works. Does Zoom? Yeah, I'm sure Zoom has a mobile app. I've never Does, used yep. it. Yep, I've used it. Yeah? Any, does it work right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah? Because I know that, like, the Facebook one works. I've noticed with the Facebook one, it works really, really well for, like, 10 minutes. Yep. And then it starts getting really choppy and jittery. And I don't know if that's a limitation oh, of okay. the phone or just bad programming like everything else Facebook does. <laughs> Bluetooth programming, <laughs> <laughs> but but Facebook, they know what they're doing, right? Yeah, somebody does. <clears throat> so this is something that's interesting. Um, a Michigan man built a fiber to the home internet provider because he couldn't get good broadband service from AT and T or Comcast. Hmm. Uh, now he's expanding with the help of a two point six million dollar government grant. Um, when they originally did this story back in the start of 2021, he was providing a service to about 30 rural homes, including his own, with his ISP. Um, uh, Washtenaw Fiber Properties LLC uh, now has about 70 customers and will extend his network to nearly 600 more properties with the money from the American Rescue Plan's Cool. Coronavirus State and Local Fiscal Recovery Fund. It's a mouthful. It's obviously American because, you know, we don't have anything to do with that. No. Um, the US government allocated Wash. Uh, I thought it was Warsaw originally, but it's not. It's Washtenaw County, $71 million for a variety of infrastructure projects, and the county devoted a portion to broadband. The county conducted a broadband study before the pandemic to identify unserved locations. Uh, when the federal government money became available, the county issued a request for proposals seeking contractors to wire up addressees that were known to be unserviced or have bad quality internet. They had this gap filled, <coughs> and in my own wild stupidity, uh, they had this gap filled, and in my own wild stupidity or brilliance. I'm not sure which one. I bid on the whole project <laughs> <laughs> and managed to win. Although the competitive bidding process, uh, his ISP was one of four selected by the county. Uh, his network currently has 14 miles of fiber and he'll build another 38 miles to complete the government funded project, he said. Cool. In this sparsely populated rural area, I have at least two homes where I have to build a half mile to get one, get to one house noting it will cost over $30,000 for each of those homes to get serviced. Uh, the contract between him and the county was signed in May 2022 
and requires him to extend his network to an estimated 417 addresses in Freedom, Lima, Lodi, and Skio. I've murdered all those names, and I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, he lives in Skio, which is the next to the next to Ann Arbor. Although the contract just requires service to those locations, he explained his new fiber routes would pass 596 potential customers. I'm building past some addresses that are covered by other programs, but I'll very likely be the first mover in building in those areas. Hmm. Under the contract terms, he'll provide 100 meg symmetrical internet with unlimited data for $55 a month and 1 gigabit with unlimited data for $79 a month. His installation fees are typically $199. Unlike many larger ISPs, he provides simple bills that contain single line items for internet service and no extra fees. Wow, what a change. <laughs> he also committed to participate in the Federal, Communication Com- the Federal Communications Commission's Affordable Connectivity Program. <laughs> I don't know if they need shorter names or more punctuation. Both. <laughs> which provides subsidies of $30 a month for households that meet income eligibility requirements, which means that one gigabit of unlimited data is like 49 a month. The contract requires all project expenses to be incurred by the end of 2024 and the project to be completed by the end of 26. But he aims for a much quicker timeline, telling us the goal is to build about half of it by the end of this year and the other half by the end of next year. Nice. The exact funding amount, <laughs> of course it is, the exact funding amount is two million six hundred eighteen thousand nine hundred fifty-eight dollars and three cents. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> because government, that's why. That's why. Pure. Uh, Comcast wanted fifty thousand dollars. AT&T offers just one point five megabit. Operating an ISP isn't his primary job, as he's still network architect at Akmai. Akmai. Mm. He started planning to build his own ISP network about five years ago after being able to get modern service from any of the major ISPs. Uh, so, yeah, he was using a 50 meg fixed wireless service before switching over to his own fiber network. In addition to his home internet customers, he also provides free 250 megabit service to a church that was previously having trouble with its Comcast service. <laughs> and he also provides fiber backhaul to a couple of cell towers for major mobile carrier. <laughs> well. Well, that'd be paying for most of his fees. You'd think so, yeah. <laughs> um, he's already hooked up some of his homes. <clears throat> his first home was connected in June, uh, touting historic broadband infrastructure investment to create a path for every household to access high-speed broadband internet. The county said it's investing $15 million in broadband projects by combining the federal funds with money from the county's general fund. Uh, between the four ISPs selected... Over 3,000 county households will be connected as a result of the investment. Um, so, yeah, it goes on to talk about, um, obviously, how his equipment costs, as he gets bigger, his equipment costs are going up. and yep. Plus, in general, they're just going up. He's saying that one of his routers he used to use was $4,000, and it's now $20,000. Wow. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. Um but good on uh, him anyway. Yeah. Uh, so it's um, he's he's even got a backup generator. He was saying that the, he lost power for about twenty four hours, and so he ran a generator just to power his server racks and everything. He wasn't powering his house. Yep. 
um, generator wasn't big enough. It was either run his house or run the server rack, so he couldn't disappoint his customers, so he ran his <laughs> server racks. Well, <laughs> has to go get another one. Yeah, so, so yeah, so it just goes to show you if you're smarter than me and know more about back-end stuff, um, you can start your own internet, apparently. Nice. Good on him, too. So, I have heard of people doing small local like using micro nesh net micro wow i it's not past my bedtime i promise <laughs> using small micro mesh uh networks yeah which yep. is rf transmission over short distance it's basically i don't know if you've ever seen they they kind of look like a satellite dish but they're just a mesh like grill style yeah and uh that transmits and receives you know, you have a mesh network, so you have eight or ten of these in in within range of each other, and they become each other's fallback, and and data Repeaters gets shared between these transmitters, and everybody has their own little black box that sends and receives data, and so I've seen little setups like that, but for someone to actually start their own ISP, and not only to start their ISP, but to have market share of the community, and to be forcing out the big guys, yeah. And to have the backhaul for the local telcos. Man skill. <laughs> he's, 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 he's on to something there, that's for sure. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Aussie Tech Hedge show. We can be found at Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Email us, Wheel or Warlock, at aussietechheads.com.au. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.